Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. We're on a journey through the Bible. Not each and every book, don't get worried. Although, we will be talking about the Bible until Jesus comes, right? So, hey. But we are in a nine-week series, as it is, this is our third, where we're walking through the Bible to get a general understanding of the Word of God, the Bible. 66 books, which for the most part were written to specific individuals or communities at a specific time in a specific situation. Now, the Bible was not written about you, but it was written for you. By that I mean the Bible is about Jesus. But God wants you and me to receive His gift of understanding and revelation so that we can apply it to our situations today. We've talked over the last couple of weeks about the importance of being open to God as we study His Word so that the Bible is not read just for the sake of reading. It's not a textbook. It's meant to be transformative. Now, one more point to make. Your perspective, the angle from which you are viewing something will impact what you see. What that means is as we read the Bible, we won't get all of our 21st century questions answered. In particular, when the Bible was first written, every writer had an operational assumption in mind, and that assumption is this, God exists. So the Bible doesn't set out to prove the existence of God, it assumes God exists. And this is His story for us. So here we are, the third week in this series, we're finally going to the beginning. So Genesis chapter 1, and even if you don't have a Bible app, This is going to be the easiest text to find all year long. So how does the Bible begin? In the beginning, God. Not, here's how God came to be, but in the beginning, God. So whenever and wherever the beginning was, God was already there. Now it's hard for us to wrap our human minds around the fact that God always existed. He has no beginning. But what that means is that God pre-exists all creation. He's over creation. He's in charge of it. He directs the affairs of His creation, which is totally the opposite of a growing viewpoint in today's world, which is best described as moralistic, therapeutic deism. It's been a while since we've talked about this. What on earth is that? Well, it is the belief that there is a God, but that He's not involved in our daily lives, and what He wants from us is simply for us to do good and be good. That is certainly not the biblical viewpoint. So if you can see now, that's crossed out. The truth of the Bible centers on the fact that God is involved, and He's involved in such a way that He has established an intimate love relationship with us. 
And so in those first four words of the Bible, what does he want us to know? That in the beginning, he was there, but it gets even better. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's everything that exists. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This verse will be the framework for all else to be discussed today. What this verse is telling us is that when God was going to create, He's going to begin with empty nothingness. He's going to start here, but let God get a hold of it. And look how vastly different it all becomes. You see, the story of Genesis 1, God being at work in the world, is about a God making order out of chaos, taking empty things and filling them up. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So out of the chaos, there is now a separation of light and dark. God puts boundaries around the light, and He says, light, this is your place. Dark, here's your place. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. So on day two, God separates water and sky. Again, it's as if God is saying, I'm the God who brings order out of chaos. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and He gathered waters He called seas, and God saw that it was good. So day three, separation, sea, and land. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation. Plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was all good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. Okay, so now what's happening? Day three, God is beginning to do the filling. And God said, let there be light to the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so sun, moon, stars, more filling. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teems, and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. 
God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. You see, God is not just making boundaries. He's filling up that which was empty. By the way, that doesn't just happen at creation. God brings order out of chaos, filling where there is emptiness. It's true throughout the whole Bible. It's true in life experiences. Let me tell you about a very important date in history. October 25th, 1960, my birthday. And when I contemplate my beginning, I don't remember any of it. But I guess it was much like the earth, a watery chaos. Don't get me wrong, beautiful, of course, but what a mess. And God said, I'm going to bring order out of a bunch of molecules. And for 58 years, he's been trying to fill up the emptiness with not the stuff that I'm trying to substitute in there to fill up the void. He's been trying to fill up the emptiness with God things, forgiveness and grace and mercy, you know, spirit-filled things, love, joy, peace, and the rest of the list from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Now, how do we know that God has all this good stuff in store for us? Because of day six. The first half is more filling, this time with all kinds of animals. I'm getting there. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. But then the second half of day six is the pinnacle of all creation. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. Out of all of creation that God declared was good, you, saw, you heard it, day after day after day, God saw it, it was good. Out of all of that, there is a specialty in creation. There is a uniqueness in all of creation. And what is that? You and me. We are the only things in all creation about which God declares, this is the one thing I want in my image. Now, being created in the image of God does not mean He looks like us. And from my vantage point, I was thinking, thank God. And from your vantage point, you'd say the same thing. I get it. The idea here is that human beings, you and me, each of us bears the thumbprint of our Creator. And let me say this. The bringing of order out of chaos proves God's greatness and His 
filling up proves his goodness. People today wonder if God is powerful enough to help us. The creation story answers he absolutely is. Look, if he's powerful enough to create heavens and earth, land and sea, separate light and dark, he's certainly powerful enough for your situation. Well, then people wonder, well, is God good? Because if we give it to him that, he, yes, he can control and rule over our situation, but maybe he won't because he's not good. Genesis 1 addresses that as well. God is good, and His goodness declares that you are special. You've been made in the image of God. He wanted it that way. That means that you are a child of God. You are special. Jesus unveiled this same truth to us a few thousand years later when talking to the masses He said, you've seen the flowers, how beautiful they are, the birds, how they're taken care of. Then he says in Matthew 6, your heavenly Father who made the flower that is beautiful and the bird that flies so majestically, that same heavenly Father created you and cares about you so much more than these. So the creation story shows us something about God, that he is powerful and that he is good. And the creation story shows us something about us. We are deeply loved. We are deeply cared for. You see, life exists because of God. That's the story of Genesis 1. And new life exists because of God. That's the story of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by new life? Do you hunger for meaning and purpose? Do you feel lost in the world? Jesus said, I am the way. Have you ever wondered, does it really matter what I believe? I mean, the culture of this world tells us that there are no absolutes. Jesus said, I am the truth. Have you ever questioned, have you ever felt, what's the point? I've sinned, and every time I try to do better, there's just more sin. Jesus said, I am the life. Yes, you've fallen into sin. We all have all the time. But it's not up to you to do anything about it. And that's the good news of the gospel. You are forgiven in Christ. So how do you know you are deeply loved and deeply cared for? Because God came in the person of His Son, Jesus, to set you free, to do what you and I cannot do. That is to abolish the grip that sin has on our lives by taking it all on His body on the cross and dying in our place for our sins. So what does that mean for us? Just as with the creation story where God brings order out of chaos and fills up the emptiness, that where there is chaos in your life, Because He loves you, He wants to be released into your life to bring order and peace. Not a peace that means no more troubles, but a peace in the midst of the troubles. So where there's chaos in your life, He can bring order and peace. Where there's emptiness 
because He deeply cares for you. He wants to be released in your life to fill you up so that you can have life to the full as Jesus promised in John 10.10. Well, the story of creation doesn't end in six days. There's a seventh day. The Bible tells us that the seventh, on the seventh day, God rested. He didn't rest because He was tired. He rested because the work of creation was done. Now, having said that, it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself. His work of creation was done, but God is not finished. His work of creating you and me is done, but God is not finished. He is still working in us, on us, filling us up. Another way to look at it is He is making us complete. Now, that signifies that there's a process. There is a completeness, a wholeness that God is moving us toward, but for now, we are a work in progress. But the good news is that God still is at work in your life, whether you're 4 or 58 or 98. If there's one verse to hold on to this week, it's this from Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, not happiness where you get whatever you think you need and want, but a joy that goes down deep that isn't blown away just because your circumstances change. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, trust His goodness, trust His greatness, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.